0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernishan, joined not by Nick Price. He was unavailable, joined by the original Big Shot, Devin Jackson. Now, you might be wondering, it's a Thursday when you're listening to this. I thought the Big Shots were a Monday podcast. What happened? A little bit of a backstory. Uh, Sunday, which is when we would have been recording, all three of us completely forgot what day it was, and then schedule conflicts got in the way. So it's a Wednesday when we're doing this. Uh, So, yeah, happy Thursday, everyone. Devin, how are you today?
1: Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, Doing pretty good. Uh, Just... You know, obviously deep into summer scouting now and, and just working on some some uh, potential articles coming up in the next few weeks. So excited to release that. But uh, other than that, I'm doing pretty good, man.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay on my end. I've had some, some things going on. Um, however, you know, I, I've been watching some players. And I also finally got around to watching Hamilton uh, the other day so uh, i i am i am officially cultured even if it's like three years too late
1: it took me a minute to realize you were talking about the the movie and not about kyle hamilton because i thought heaven is of
0: the uncultured variety
1: i thought you were just saying uh the no Han- i watched man. kyle
0: hamilton like two months ago
1: i was like okay i i so we're calling him the Hamilton now. That's that's interesting.
0: The Hamilton. You know what? Yeah, we're just going to call Kyle Hamilton
1: the Hamilton now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> some, some weird stuff going on on Draft Twitter, so I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> uh,
0: so this is going to be a quick one. Uh, obviously, with Nick not here, and this being a summer podcast, there's no point just haranguing you guys with like an hour or hour and a half long episode. So, Devin and I are going to kind of go back and forth on some players we watched. I'll let Devin start us off.
1: First player I watched, kind of a hybrid player. um, But and and it's kind of hard to figure out where exactly I'm going to rank him or put him. uh, Because he's just like all over the field. But it's Baylor linebacker slash safety Jalen Petrie. I feel like
0: he's been in college forever.
1: Yeah, he, he's been in quite a while, and he finally had his kind of breakthrough season last year. Uh, he played a lot, I think, as a redshirt freshman, but then the next year, he didn't play hardly at all. Uh, and then last year, he really came on the scene as one of Baylor's best defensive players. Um, plays a lot of that overhang role. Uh, in Baylor's defense, they they run a I think they run a 3-3-5, if I'm not mistaken. I think
0: everyone in the Big 12 runs yeah. a,
1: a 3-3-5. Yeah, so he plays that kind of hybrid role where he's, you know, in the slot. He plays as an overhang defender, uh, has some snaps at safety. So he does a little bit of everything. Uh he's kind of one of those players that's like the jack of all trades, but there's nothing elite that really stands out about his game, which makes him incredibly difficult. Uh, and it kind of reminds me, and, and not necessarily in play style, but in terms of role, reminds, reminds me of Kalik Hudson from Michigan a couple years ago. Uh, last We just year. seem to
0: constantly be getting stuck in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jacoby Stevens last year. And the year before with LSU, and this is Dave Aranda's defense, so it kind of makes sense to have that Jalen, uh, Jacoby Stevens uh, type of player. But with Petre, uh, I'm really impressed with his short zone coverage. Um, he does a, he does really well, uh, you know, attacking on as an overhang defender, you know, driving down those outs, uh, you know, hitches. Um, covering in, in the slot he, he does a pretty nice job uh, rerouting and then getting into his depths and zones uh, does a pretty good job as well of uh, closing on on you know shorter passes on swing routes etc very willing tackler uh, will run the alley uh, does struggle a little bit though uh, as kind of in that linebacker position of stacking and shedding uh, he just does not have the strength to to really get past or get through offensive linemen once they get to the second level. He's he even has some struggles against tight ends at times, uh, especially against, like, Charlie Kolar and some of those bigger guys. Oh, man, um, that's
0: sad that if he struggles against Charlie yeah. Kolar, because Charlie Kolar, I'm sorry, he is bad and slow and also bad.
1: What do you mean he's tight end one? <laughs> I'm just no, saying he, he's no. one according to someone on draft Twitter. Um, but back to back to Petray. Uh, Yeah, he struggles, uh, like I said, shedding blocks. Um, but he's just like a, a very fun player. You know, someone that's just all over the field, uh, you know, makes a ton of plays. Had two pick sixes last year uh, that were, you know, bad passes. I mean, Brock Purdy tried to throw. Uh, An out late got picked, obviously, and then uh, the next week against Texas Tech uh, got another pick on another out route. So like I said, he's really good defending those short zones. Man defense needs some work. Um, You know, he shown the ability to make plays out of man defense. Uh, but generally speaking, I don't know if I trust him uh, guarding vertical routes from the slot. Uh, they had a lot of safety help uh, with their kind of unique defense. So didn't really see him too much one-on-one uh, in, in the slot uh, in terms of uh, going, you know, vertical defending vertical routes. He does a pretty good job on corners, on corner routes, staying on, on top of that, uh, especially against tight ends. I think he he's, best suited guarding tight ends uh he just i don't think he has the speed uh top end speed to really uh, handle slot receivers so uh jim so i haven't done a full uh scouting him, but i'm thinking it's gonna be a day three grade probably fourth or fifth round uh mainly because he he does have some deficiencies doesn't really have the size to play a true linebacker but he doesn't really have the you know kind of range to play safety either and and really not really the the speed to play slot corner so that's why I say he's a difficult projection uh but he's still a really good player and you know I I think he Well, it's good to have that versatile type of player. I think it kind of does him a disservice because we don't really know where he's going to stick. So there's going to be. It's good to be
0: versatile, but at the same time, it's also it also sucks because what what are you exactly? Yeah,
1: so it's like teams are going to value him maybe as a slot corner, maybe as a safety, maybe as a dime linebacker. I think dime linebacker may be his best option, but he'll have to bulk up to really play that position effectively. Uh, So that's why I'm thinking it's probably going to be a day three grade for sure. Uh, Maybe a late fourth, early fifth. Uh, Once I sit down and actually do it, I'll I'll get a better idea, but, but that's, that's why I thought of him. Good player. uh, Just really tough to, to figure out where exactly uh, is he going to stack up uh, at the next level.
0: While you were talking, you mentioned some people's draft Twitter tight end one. And I decided that that was a perfect segue, Devin, because I want to talk about the actual tight end one in this class. So that's Jaleel Billingsley out of Alabama. Why he was stuck behind Miller Forrestal last year for the Tide, I don't know. Uh, Miller Forrestal was, in a word, bad. Um, Jaleel Billingsley, he's really good. He's kind of that slot tight end that, you know, people love, uh, you know, the position that kyle pitts played i'm not saying he's kyle pitts by any by any means he is kind of that same breed of tight end we've seen go early Um, you know i think that a lot of people really like isaiah likely out of coast carolina i think that billingsley is a souped up version of isaiah likely Uh, man i think it was the kentucky game first play of the game he just you know Simple outright to the sidelines, cuts up field, hurdles over a defender, and I was all I, I was set. Uh had a really good game against Notre Dame as well. Again, this tight end class is not like last year's. There's no Kyle Pitts. Um I would still say likely late first, early second round type of player. Uh just a very fun watch. And while I was watching him, someone that stood out was their right guard, uh Emil Akior. Uh man. Remember Deontay Brown last year, who was like 378 and like moved so slow, had that waddling highlight, ran like an eight second 40. Um, Amila Akior is what Deontay Brown should look like. He's like probably in that 330, 340 range, has really good movement skills. Uh, I sent it to our, um, uh, our scouting, sorry, our SEC scout Tyler Browning. Um, he moves really well for someone who's built like a fridge. Um, yeah, it vert, you know, vertical uh, pulls. He's pulling from right guard all the way outside of left tackle, uh, and he can get there in a hurry. Uh, he's not really gonna send people flying, which I would kind of like for someone that's you know on the the higher end of the weight spectrum but man you you don't get by him at all he's a very fun player um probably a day two player i think that this interior offensive line class is pretty stacked you have tyler linderbaum you have uh Kima Kwanu, you have kenyon green from texas a&m there are going to be more guys i know that um that arkansas has a center that a lot of people are high on as well. So. You know, could he get lost in the shuffle? Maybe I think that he's probably like a round two, maybe pushing it in terms of how low he could go is like a round three, but round two definitely in his uh, in his realm. Uh, yeah, man, Alabama. There's another one. I, I don't want to go three in a row with Alabama, but I'll let you. I'll let you break up the Alabama monotony by talking about a different guy.
1: Well, it's funny enough. I'm gonna go to their rival, Auburn. Uh, to talk about the next guy. Uh but uh right tackle bro Darius Ham. Uh, yeah, we've
0: been talking about him on this yeah. podcast last summer.
1: Yes, sir. Uh yeah. I mean he's he's big. <laughs> I mean simply put he, we love yeah. our big boys on this podcast. We um, are the
0: big shots and Devin and I are both rather big.
1: Yeah so he you know he caught my eye during the season actually uh when they played Kentucky that first week, uh, he looked really good. So he weighs in about 6'6", six, six, 330, uh, you know, got that kind of size thrash, threshold that you look for in, in a tackle uh, in the NFL. Um, his game is, is very interesting because when he is able to get his feet up and down, make contact and drive, uh, he's probably one of the best – run blocking tackles in this class, but the consistency isn't there yet. And he was dealing with some injuries last season, uh that kind of accumulated over over time. And you could tell by the end of the season when they were playing Alabama, uh, that he he really struggled to to handle some speed rushers. That's kind of his biggest weakness right now. Uh he just he he's not the most athletic uh, tackle. So Going up against those speed rushers, those guys that can get underneath him, uh, he tends to struggle with uh, because he just does not have the the foot speed laterally to match it. But he's incredibly, incredibly strong, uh, has a great story, too. He's a cancer survivor, um, you know, uh, beat cancer a couple of years ago and finally got his first full year starting this year. He's more of a dev player the last couple of seasons before this past year. Um, and he has really good hands as well. Like I said, when he gets his hands on p- people and he has a good form, he doesn't, he, he isn't leaning, you know, he isn't reaching. I mean, he he looks pretty damn good, you know? And I think that'll come more with game reps, one. Two, being, uh, you know, kind of looking back at what some of his weaknesses are and, and being able to kind of counteract that. And then three, just being healthy, you know, dealing with injuries as an offensive lineman, uh, is probably one of the toughest positions to deal with injury because oh. if it's re- anything, really. I mean, if it's an upper body injury, it affects your power. If it's a lower body injury, it affects your mobility. Um, and not to say that injuries in other place doesn't matter or any other position, but it's very clear when the offensive lineman is hurt. And, and really towards the end of the season, he struggled, uh, you know, handling some some players – and obviously Alabama has great players. They're going to have pass rushers that are quick, that are able to you know, get a bull rush. But for me, it was like, I think Ham just needs to do a better job getting back into his sets quicker because he he's able to still get a piece of defenders he, and they're not able to really turn the corner on him because he's massive. But I would like to see him just get out of his stance quicker Uh, and and take better angles when on his pass sets, because I think you eliminate some of those, you know, you get better angle wise and he's able to get a a solid punch. I mean, he's stymieing, you know, defensive ends and and edge rushes quickly. So right now I'd probably say he's probably going to be another day three type grade only because he has quite a bit to, to improve upon. Um, But you know i i still like him as a player and i think he can be really good uh you know if he continues to improve his run blocking is always already superb even though he he does get out of position at times and uh he's not exactly the most athletic so in reach plays he does struggle but when he he's able to get those blocks he's able to get to his landmarks he looks like a really good football player
0: yeah that's someone that i think in around this time last year you were talking about and then of course auburn had kind of an up and down season. So yeah. kind of falls. I, I'm interested to see how that offense changes with Brian Harson there. Um, maybe they can save us from more bone I do not I don't, I don't know about that one. I'm going to go back to Alabama uh, because of course, uh, man, I like John Mechie. I like John Mechie. I don't think that he's like wide receiver one. I don't even really think he's like a, a round one type receiver. But even as, like, the fourth receiving option last year, he was still just so good. Uh, He really stepped up in the absence of Jalen Waddell. Um, Same build as, like, everyone that goes through Alabama, it seems. Like, 6'1", between 170 and 185, good route runner, good speed, really good hands. I feel like it's everything that we've said in the last couple years about about Devontae Smith. Or Jalen Waddle, nowhere near as fast as Jalen Waddle, or Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs. Again, like speed, not the same realm as as uh, Ruggs or Waddle, but just like in that probably four four range, really good route runner. It's Alabama has a type, and John Mechie is just another carbon copy. Again, don't think the talent level is up there with the the last four first-rounders we've seen at wide receiver for Alabama over the past two years. But don't be shocked if he sneaks into round one with another good season. I think that right now I'd probably take him somewhere in around round two. And it's not as deep of a wide receiver class. It's still a pretty good one, but I mean, someone's going to value his uptick in speed over david bell potentially because david bell yes uh, david bell is my wide receiver too uh but you know not the most dynamic of, of wide receivers someone's going to value him perhaps over the jump ball ability of a treylon burks and those are like the guys that we see competing for wide receiver one garrett wilson uh chris Olave from from ohio state like those are the guys that are competing for wide receiver one it is wide open with another good season and maybe with a better quarterback that's right i said it with a better quarterback john mechie could maybe get himself into round one and again john mechie someone we have talked about on this channel going back to october of last year
1: yeah I mean, those, you know, we the SEC, you know, you, you find those guys and you're like, yeah, you know, they, they kind of stick, but yeah, Mechie is, Mechie is good, man. Uh, You know, just watching the defensive film on some of the, the guys, I mean, he flashed all over the place, like against Tennessee had, you know, an incredible uh, route where he caught a post pass over two players. I mean, he, he definitely flashes on film and, and pops all over the place and, you know, that was pretty impressive considering, you know, you had Jalen Waddle and some of those other receivers too, uh, for Alabama last year, uh, you know, making a difference. So him stepping up kind of in Waddle's absence, especially down the stretch of the season, uh, you know, along with Devontae Smith, obviously. Um, I mean, they
0: kept that that offense rolling.
1: Yeah. They they were they didn't miss a beat pretty nope. much. I mean, it got to a point where Mac Jones was underthrowing them and they had created so much separation. It just did not matter. <laughs> that's, that's how, that's how much separation they create. Pretty so, much. I mean, you could, could float it, underthrow it at 10, 15 yards and did not matter. he would still go up and get it. So it's a factory. What, what else do we expect? Uh, um, who's
0: your next guy?
1: Um, talk about uh, the the article I dropped on Monday, Josh DeBerry. Uh, someone I've talked about. With Nick talked about him a little bit on our uh, live show last Friday. Talked about all, yeah, like I, yeah,
0: Josh DeBerry is already becoming a friend of the podcast. It seems,
1: yeah, he's he's good. Uh, there's always one corner I find in the summer that I just just love <laughs> forever. We for whatever reason, it's you know their ability to, to play against you know some of the the best receivers in. In in their conference and, and really matching. I mean Cam Bynum. You know last summer I talked about him going up against Brandon Ayuk, Frank Darby, you know uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and they are all getting drafted. You know, so it's like to me, it's like I kind of take we that call that in, a
0: humble brag.
1: That that too, but also I kind of take in consideration like you know one who you're going up against and two how are you faring against them. So. For DeBerry, I mean, him going against Diami Brown, Tutu Atwell, Amari Rodgers, Cornell Powell. I mean, some of, them, some of the best receivers in the ACC. Uh, and he's holding his own, you know. Obviously, he's giving up some catches. And uh, I mentioned that in, in an article, a lot of them are like deep outs, quick outs, quick ends, digs. You know, a lot of those like in or out breaking routes where he's playing like off man or off zone coverage that... It, it kind of counts, but at the same time, it's more about, you know, the, the receiver and quarterback on the same page. But vertically, you know, he didn't give up a ton. Those uh, those deep curl routes, he didn't give up a ton. Uh, post, nothing really. So, I mean, he's able to defend all the routes you look for uh, in a corner. Uh, played a lot of off-man coverage did well uh, closing the the space on those routes, uh, able to get on top of the stems. I think he does need to do a better job though in zone coverage. There are times where he just does not react quick enough, doesn't get enough depth. And then he has inside outside responsibility. So I think sometimes he, uh, you know, kind of is like does a little bit of both instead of flat, flat out doing what he's supposed to do in each position. And I think that's because he moves around so much. It's like, you know, it's kind of hard to to you know disseminate which which one you're going to be doing on that particular play so i like to see him especially out of the slot uh be a little bit better like if you know those cover three looks uh those cover two looks getting out to the flat uh flat curl area a little bit better because he, he did but he will overrun it or he would wouldn't get out far enough and it lets easy completions but you know, generally speaking, I think he, he, he's a really good player, uh, probably a late third, early fourth round grade for me. Uh, that's why I put in the article uh, just because he does need some refinement and, and zone coverage, uh, clothing a little bit quicker on, on some of those deep out routes and then tackling. You know, he, he's not not a really good tackle right now. Uh, could be a lot better in that department. But other things in this game, mirror ability, ball skills. Uh, Physicality—he he, kind of matches all the things that you look for. So excited to see what he does this season. It's going to have enough, another tough gauntlet uh, in, in the ACC. I mean, they are always producing receivers. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, you've talked about the Barry quite a bit. Someone that we've talked about a bit in passing on this show. I finally got to sit down and watch some of his film. Got to check out Levi Lewis of Louisiana Lafayette and. I, I don't mean to be mean, Devin, but I was so underwhelmed. I, I came away just so unimpressed. Um, I think people really and of course, like, you, you would throw on a game yesterday uh, last year because Louisiana Lafayette was going to find themselves on national television for a variety of reasons. You know, they've been good the last couple of years. They've got a fun offense. And they'd be talking about levi lewis is like this kyler murray clone and the only similarity that they have is that they're both short that's it like kyler's 5'10 maybe 5'9 is he 5'9
1: no one knows
0: i mean levi lewis is listed at 5'10 and 185 pounds kyler is listed at
1: (laughs) pardon he might be 5'8
0: he might be 5'8 um you know Kyler, at least, he's like 205, but he's built bigger. Like, Kyler doesn't look small. Levi Lewis looks small. Levi Lewis looks like a high schooler that managed to find his way into the huddle. He's just so underdeveloped physically. And Kyler Murray has this just gigantic arm. And Levi Lewis has, like, nowhere near the arm strength. I felt like I was watching... Arm strength-wise, Colt McCoy, which is about as far away from Tyler Murray in terms of arm strength as you can possibly get.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: There's, there's no refi- There wasn't a lot of refinement. I, I was going to say there's no refinement. There's not a lot of refinement um, in his game. A lot of times, if the receiver's not open by the time he gets the ball, Levi's just going to run around. And it's not even like he's going through his progressions, like, oh, first one's not there, second one's not there, time to move. It's like, okay, got the ball, and now it's time to go. And, you know, we, in our scouting reports, we talk about pocket discipline and pocket awareness. And it doesn't seem like he has any of that. And then, like, we talk about mechanics. And when he's throwing from a clean pocket, which is a rarity, because normally he's trying to run around, because he's actually at his best throw the ball when he's on the run. But when he's sat in a pocket and he's actually deciding he's going to throw from within the pocket, his feet are completely flat. And when you throw completely flat footed and you're not even like leading into your throw, all that ends up happening is that ball ends up off target. It's not in the receiver's catch radius. A lot of times he's got, you know, wide receiver running to the sideline and then they have to reach back to catch the ball because, you know, the timing was off, the placement's off, or he throws it. And it just comes out flat. It floats. There's, there's not a lot of zip on the ball. Uh, he's, he's late throwing a lot of the time. And then throwing downfield. Jeez, it's a good thing that Louisiana Lafayette runs a lot of short, short routes and not even like a lot down the field or intermediate. Because if it went about 15 yards, it, it just stopped. It, I've never seen a ball die at 15 yards so frequently
1: yeah there i know people
0: want to i know people want him to be good because i mean who doesn't love a short quarterback but we're pushing it if we're saying that 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 levi lewis is going to be anything other than maybe a gimmicky type player at the next level maybe a kick returner it's just not there as a quarterback
1: yeah it, it's disappointing like i said because he looked really good in 2019 um and and based on that 2019 tape I mean, you you could argue, he, you know, maybe had a chance at at cracking an NFL roster, but took some some significant steps back as a quarterback last year. Um, was disappointing because uh, I I really thought that you know he might do something a little bit more, you know, but it was really the running back room that that kind of carried that team. You know, Elijah Mitchell and Trey uh, Regis uh for for louisiana kind of kind of was that engine for the team so why well, i was disappointed you know it kind of is what it is unfortunately uh final thing i talk about um got an article coming out on friday i'm working on uh, a piece about you Know we talked a little bit about Bo Nix and, and whatnot, and talked about that new offense, uh, with Brian Harson coming in. I'm doing kind of a deep dive on uh, Brian Harson's offense, kind of what they look to do, uh, and then uh, what can Bo Nix do in that offense, and what can he do, the things he can do that will help him be a better quarterback. Uh, because simply put, he was not fit for Gus Malzahn's system, he's not Nick Marshall, he's not Cam Newton, he's not. Malik Willis even you know he's not that dynamic runner that you know can fit in that system you know he, he he's a very capable runner uh his running ability kind of reminds me a little bit of Jake Locker in terms of he can get it done but he's not gonna beat you with crazy you know 40 50 yard runs where he miss makes 17 people miss that's just not what his game is and be honest the Auburn offensive line was was pretty bad last year I know I know Bo (laughs) Nix wasn't good and I just talked about Auburn offensive lineman I was gonna say I'm like Bo Nix is it was not good yeah we talking about
0: fullback three
1: look I I have a different (laughs) opinion I have a different opinion I think he he can be a better passer than Sam Ellinger and some of those other big quarterbacks that that just don't pan out was I think he can be better than that uh which I just I? wanted
0: to be a smart ass I, I, I haven't actually studied him in depth I do I remember from watching him live though he's just not he's just not good
1: yeah but you know why I've actually got a chance to look at the film a lot of it is like you know it, it's like him making wrong protection calls uh you know the offensive line just straight up not blocking anybody uh, you know they they let a lot of free rushers get through, especially in the Georgia game. It, he was running for his life all game, <laughs> and that was a good front. Yeah, yeah. They they changed their fronts a lot. They did a lot of different things that Auburn just wasn't ready for. Uh, changing, you know, like I said, the the alignment, bringing exotic blitzes. I mean, Kirby Smart's defense is very complicated, and it's very hard to to game plan against. So I, mm. I fault no one for struggling against them, but. In that game in particular, and it was like, he was making impossible plays. Like he had three free rushers one play and he, he made the miss and he made a bad throw on the, on the back end. It should have been picked off, but it's like, how can you operate like that when you don't even have time to throw? So to me, I think the, the scheme change will help. Uh, the track record that Brian Harson has with quarterbacks helps coach Kellen more. Coach Brett Ripon, uh, you know, coached some, some other players as well. David Ash back in the day, he made him look somewhat decent, and he was not good. So he has oh, a that's good tra- a
0: name I haven't heard in a, in a long time. <laughs> Listen,
1: I'm I'm I did some real digging, man. I, I I'm really intrigued to see what what he can do with this Auburn offense because I mean they have all the skill players to do be good. It's not even a question. They recruit well, but it's just like the scheme that. Malzahn was running you basically had everyone at running playing running back at some point receivers you know doing pop passes a lot of motions that really didn't affect anything and then you know kind of with Brian Harsin's offense they do a lot of things where they're putting people in motion going back and forth trying to ID ID coverage and I felt like Auburn didn't really do that enough to give Bo Nix the tools to be successful he had to figure out what protection he needed to be in, where the blitzes might be coming, uh, what coverage the team is in. And you play against teams like Georgia, Alabama, LSU, they're going to disguise coverage. So you need some help. And I feel like the the offense that Malzahn runs, it's just go. You know, get tempo, go as fast as you can. Try to get yards on, on pop passes and stretch the team horizontally while you know, Harrison's offense is more about figuring out what the defense is doing, attacking their weakness. So that means they could operate out of shotgun, under center, pistol. So it's like it's more dynamic in terms of different variations and whatnot. It's more it's, it's closer to Joe Brady than it's closer to G- Gus Malzahn. So I think that'll help Bo Nix out this year. Yeah, there's one more player I want to
0: talk about briefly, and then we'll probably wrap up uh south carolina edge rusher kingsley anagbari another name that i can't wait to hear you have to say multiple times over i love i love watching devin's face whenever i have to say a name that i know he can't say um anagbari is pretty good uh plays a bit of that hybrid role for south carolina three four outside linebacker four three defensive end kick inside a little bit to play um some Uh, defensive tackle at times uh just checking on his on his measurements because it's it's been hard to find a lot of sites that are doing 2022 draft stuff already he's 6'4 260 uh so he's got good size decent burst off the edge pretty good bend uh south carolina's best player in that front seven which is not saying a whole lot um man that last year they were led very much by by mukwamu and jc horn and everything else in on that defense was just dire it's the reason why south carolina was pretty bad last year uh they've got a new coaching staff coming in um who's the new head coach that's driving me nuts uh oh fuck it was um oklahoma's like assistant or something uh hang on this is great radio um
1: shane beamer
0: Shane Beamer. Yeah. What was his job beforehand? Cuz I Oklahoma, literally can't...
1: Uh, assistant. Hold on. Let me see the exact title. Assistant head he... coach for the offense.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm wondering what their their um I'm wondering what their defense is going to look like. Cuz obviously bringing in an offensive head coach, they want to try to keep up with the uh Florida's and the Georgias and the Alabamas, South Carolina is going to drastically change their offense. But what's that going to mean for the defense? I think Enigbari is going to be the leader on that team. Um, although I must say it was very confusing at times because Enigbari wears fifty-two, Ernest Brown wears fifty-three. So at times I had to keep going back and rewinding to figure out which one of them actually made the play. But it uh, Enigbari finished last year with 2020 he had six sacks he had three and a half the year before so he's gotten better in terms of actually getting to the quarterback each year um and there are a lot of instances where he's chasing that quarterback and that quarterback is running for his life uh I think it was the Tennessee game where I want to say it was Garantano but I really hope it was Garantano uh was running around like a chicken with his head cut off it definitely was him it
1: it likely was. It definitely was, because it was the first game of the season.
0: What oh only, yeah, that yeah, that know, was definitely him.
1: <laughs> and I only know that because I watched a lot of Tennessee film.
0: A <laughs> lot. <laughs> yeah, so that was Garantano. Uh Garantano was running around for you know for his life. Uh and Anik Bari was just making his life a living hell. Uh also last year Edic Bari had three forced fumbles. Uh he is a, a big fan of the strip sack which is going to win him a lot of fans. Now, our SEC scout, Tyler Browning, labeled him as a third-round pick, kind of early third. I seem to think of him a little bit more as like a mid-to-late second, so kind of on that same wavelength. Um, This edge class, not all that strong. There are some good players, but there seems to be a little bit of a – of a depth issue, not quite like the defensive tackle class that, that we will talk about the defensive tackle class another day. It is, it is not good. Um, But no, I I think that Enigbari with just another year, he's still, in my opinion, I still think he's really raw despite being a, uh, a two year starter and, you know, having played in now 32 career games. Um, I still do think that he's a little raw. But I do think that he's got a lot of upside, but he's he has a relatively safe floor. I don't think anyone's going to uh be disappointed with Enigbar. I think he's gonna be someone that at the very least can come in and early in his career get you five to seven sacks.
1: Yeah, uh it's funny enough because he's actually on my uh I released film of Brodarius Ham and uh Ham was uh, going Ham on on Kelsey. Uh, I'm not going to say his last name because I can't. You didn't even get the first name right. That's amazing. Kingsley. Kingsley, my bad. But
0: Yeah, the Auburn game was not good. The Auburn game wasn't good, but I'll tell you, the, the Tennessee game was pretty good, and the Vanderbilt game was pretty good as well.
1: I mean, yeah, it's Tennessee and Vanderbilt. I'm aware. I am, in fact, aware. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything, you know, but it was just funny you mentioned him because I was like, damn, he's getting handled right now. Yeah, no, like,
0: here's the thing. What I've found is I watched, like, three or four games, and when he was on, he was on. Yeah. And when when it wasn't clicking, he, he was helpless out there. But I found that, like, in the four games, he had three good games and – and one pretty bad one. And that was the Auburn game.
1: Yeah, it was it's just a tough game. Cause like I said, when Broderis Ham gets, gets his hands on you, it's done. It's over. It's over. It's like, now, it's like almost like not quite Makai Beckton level, but somewhere in that stratosphere, like if he's moving you, he's like, I kid you not. You can go look at, at the, the film I put up now. The third play that I have on there, he moves uh, Kingsley from his, uh, you know, kind of his gap all the way down past the center. He, he throw, literally throws him two gaps over and just, like, completes a probably, like, this size of and, – and Evan, we're not a video get, podcast. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like – it's like a, a foot of space in between him and the the hole that is created. So it's oh, like, yeah, it's insane, you know, but I uh, love who SEC are some football, guys, man. Who are some I guys in the SC next football. coming
0: week? That, who, sorry. Who are some guys in the next coming week that you're going to try to get your hands on? I have to watch some Sunbelt and FCS guys and to varying levels of excitement. I'm glad I don't have to watch any more Sunbelt quarterbacks because uh, none of them are good. Uh, but who are some guys that, since you have a little bit more free reign, you're excited to dive into?
1: Uh, well, like I said, I'm, f- I'm going to finish up that Bo Nix piece uh, this week. Um, heard some good things about receiver Justin Hall from Ball State. Um, of course kind of,
0: you're going to a Mac wide receiver. You've got like free reign of everyone you want. You're like, I've heard some things about a guy that's maybe going to be like a seventh rounder of that's right.
1: I I will pound the table for six and seven rounders. I I do not care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get to Darian Kennard as well. So oh, he's on
0: my list this week too. I, obviously, I did. I did. Evan Neal. I have to finish up Abraham Lucas. Uh, Darian Kennard is someone that I'm. I, I want to watch.
1: Yeah, I'll um, say. I'm, I'm gonna get to L- L- uh,
0: Lucas. Lucas might be OT three.
1: I'll have to uh, check him out at some point but,
0: evan, uh, evan neil doesn't do it for me zion nelson the the potential's there but i'm not sure the the game-to-game consistency is there oh boy yeah he he might be ot3 i'm not yeah. gonna lie uh i'm also looking at getting into more of these running backs i have mentioned this a lot this is a ridiculous running back class um I I have said that there are going to be a ton of running backs in my t- preseason top fifty. Uh, Devin, I'm at I'm at so far like thirty four players. I have five running backs. Damn. I think that there are two
1: more that can
0: join them. There there Damn. might be seven top fifty preseason running backs. Jesus.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Um. I said Canard. I'm also gonna go back and look at Wandell robinson oh uh, i can't wait i can't wait he's, him he's and so kentucky much fun. is gonna
0: be so fun
1: um so I, I might i might do you know what i might i might get in i might do a deep dive on kentucky maybe we'll see you know because they, they got some interesting pieces coming in because they got that two-headed monster running back uh they got will levis coming in they got Wandell robinson too uh, and they got, obviously, the offensive line is, is pretty stout. So they, they got the makings of, of being a pretty good offense in the SEC. Um, so I'm going to watch, you know, Wandale as well. And then a couple more guys that I may get to next week, but probably not. Uh, Daxon Hill from Michigan, heard a lot of good things about him. Um, and then Jack Snyder, the tackle from San Jose State. San
0: Jose State offensive tackle. That is that is the most Devin sentence I have ever heard in my entire life, and I think that there is in fact no way to top that. So I think that it's a good place to call it. So until next time, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike A. underscore draft. You can follow Devin on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. By the way, Twitter, give the man back his blue check mark. Just saying. You can find the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow Nick on Twitter at Price Check Three. Follow our work at Blue Chips Gather. We just actually redesigned the website. It looks phenomenal, gorgeous. And then when you're listening to this on Thursday, don't forget Friday, either 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. There will be a Big Shots Extra live show with the three of us. Uh, in a you know probably come in, hang out, spend half an hour kind of fun having a live show and a recorded one that way neither of them end up going on and on and on for an hour we can just do two half hour shows uh but until next time guys as always uh don't forget to leave a review on the show helps us out with the algorithms and whatnot um and then of course subscribe on youtube uh for blue chips uh scouting We will eventually work the ad reads back into this show, but Devin, myself, and Nick have all been a little bit too lazy on that front. So maybe next week we'll work that in. But until next time, guys, take it easy.